Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year, I'm Mark Langley. And today is day 53 in our exploration of this catechism. We are finishing up the final uh, several pages of the catechism with respect to its treatment on the sacraments in general. And today we are going to talk about the effects of the sacraments um, and the, um, the grace and the sacramental character that the sacraments um, give. And so let us start reading. This is page 157 in my text, under the subheading, The Effects of the Sacraments. When these matters have been explained, the effects of the sacraments are the next subject of instruction. This subject should throw considerable light on the definition of a sacrament as already given. The first effect, justifying grace. The principal effects of the sacraments are two. The first place is rightly held by that grace which we, following the usage of the holy doctors, call sanctifying. For so the apostle most clearly taught when he said, Christ loved the church and delivered himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the laver of water and the word of life. But how so great and so admirable an effect is produced by the sacrament, that to use the well-known saying of St. Augustine, water cleanses the body and reaches the heart. This indeed cannot be comprehended by human reason and intelligence. It may be taken for granted that no sensible thing is of its own nature able to reach the soul. But we know by the light of faith that in the sacraments there exists the power of Almighty God by which they effect that which the natural elements cannot of themselves accomplish. Lest on this subject any doubt should exist in the minds of the faithful, God, in the abundance of his mercy, was pleased from the moment when the sacraments began to be administered to manifest by the evidence of miracles the effects which they operate interiorly in the soul. This he did in order that we may most firmly believe that the same effects although far removed from the senses, are always inwardly produced, to say nothing of the fact that at the baptism of the Redeemer in the Jordan, the heavens were opened and the Holy Ghost appeared in the form of a dove. To teach us that when we are washed in the sacred font, his grace is infused into our souls, to omit this which has reference rather to the signification of baptism than to the administration of the sacrament, do we not read that on the day of Pentecost, when the apostles received the Holy Ghost, by whom they were thenceforward inspired with greater alacrity and resolution to preach the faith and brave dangers for the glory of Christ, there came suddenly a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind coming, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them parted tongues, as it were, of fire." That's in Acts chapter 2. By this it was understood that in the sacrament of confirmation the same Spirit is given us, and such strength is imparted as enables us resolutely to encounter and resist our incessant enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. For some time in the beginning of the church, whenever these sacraments were administered by the apostles, the same miraculous effects were witnessed and they ceased only when the faith had acquired maturity and strength. 
From what has been said of sanctifying grace, the first effect of the sacraments, it clearly follows that there resides in the sacraments of the new law a virtue more exalted and efficacious than that of the sacraments of the old law. Those ancient sacraments being weak and needy elements, sanctified such as were defiled to the cleansing of the flesh, but not of the spirit. They were therefore instituted only as signs of those things which were to be accomplished by our mysteries, the sacraments of the new law. On the contrary, flowing from the side of Christ, who by the Holy Ghost offered himself unspotted unto God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God, and thus work in us through the blood of Christ, the grace which they signify. Comparing our sacraments, therefore, with those of the old law, we find that they are not only more efficacious, but also more fruitful in spiritual advantages and more august in holiness. And here I thought we should turn to the Summa Theologica, where St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this first effect of the sacraments. This is question 62 in the third part, uh, Tertia Pars. Uh, question 62, which is concerning the sacraments' principal effect, which is grace. And there are six articles. We'll just read a part of the very first article. Uh, the question is whether the sacraments are the cause of grace. And, of course, St. Thomas uh, says that they are. Uh, he begins the body by saying, um, or rather, in the on the contrary, he quotes St. Augustine when he says that the baptismal water touches the body and cleanses the heart. But the heart is not cleansed save through grace. Therefore, it causes grace, and for like reason, so do the other sacraments of the Church. And so that's a nice little argument right there, just in the on the contrary, uh, quote, this quote from St. Augustine. Uh, St. Thomas says in the body, after talking about some erroneous opinions about the way the sacraments cause grace, he says, We must therefore say otherwise that an efficient cause is twofold, principal and instrumental. The principal cause works by the power of its form, to which form the effect is likened, just as fire by its own heat makes something hot. In this way, none but God can cause grace, since grace is nothing else than a participated likeness of the divine nature. According to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, He hath given us most great and precious promises that we may be partakers of the divine nature. But the instrumental cause works not by the power of its form, but only by the motion whereby it is moved by the principal agent, so that the effect is not likened to the instrument, but to the principal agent. For instance, the couch is not like the axe, but like the art which is in the craftsman's mind. And it is thus that the sacraments of the new law cause grace, for they are instituted by God to be employed for the purpose of conferring grace. Hence Augustine says, All these things pertaining to the sacraments are done and pass away, but the power of God which works by them remains ever. Now that is properly speaking an instrument by which someone works. Wherefore it is written, He saved us by the laver of, regener of regeneration. 
And so there we see St. Thomas saying that the sacraments do cause grace, um, but they cause grace uh, instrumentally. They are the instrumental um, causes of grace. Uh, God is the uh, cause of sanctifying grace, and he uses the sacraments as his instruments. Um, and so let's continue with the second effect, uh, going back to the catechism. Uh, the second effect, sac the sacramental character. The second effect of the sacraments, which, however, is not common to all, but peculiar to three, baptism, confirmation, and holy orders, is the character which they impress on the soul. When the apostle says, God hath anointed us, who also hath sealed us, and given the pledge of the Spirit in our hearts, he not obscurely describes by the word sealed a character, the property of which is to impress a seal and mark. This character is, as it were, a distinctive impression stamped on the soul, which perpetually inheres and cannot be blotted out. Of this, St. Augustine says, Shall the Christian sacraments accomplish less than the bodily mark impressed on the soldier? That mark is not stamped on his person anew as often as he resumes the military service which he had relinquished, but the old one is recognized and approved. This character has a twofold effect. It qualifies us to receive or perform something sacred and distinguishes us by some mark one from another. In the character impressed by baptism, both effects are exemplified. By it we are qualified to receive the other sacraments, and the Christian is distinguished from those who do not profess the faith. The same illustration is afforded by the characters impressed by confirmation and holy orders. By confirmation we are armed and arrayed as soldiers of Christ publicly to profess and defend his name, to fight against our internal enemy and against the spiritual powers of wickedness in the high places. And at the same time, we are distinguished from those who, being recently baptized, are, as it were, newborn infants. Holy Orders confers the same power of consecrating and administering the sacraments and also distinguishes those who are invested with this power from the rest of the faithful. The rule of the Catholic Church is, therefore, to be observed, which teaches that these three sacraments impress a character and are never to be repeated. And finally, the Catechism concludes this section on the sacraments in general with a subheading, How to Make Instruction on the Sacraments Profitable. On the subject of the sacraments in general, the above are the matters on which instruction should be given. In explaining them, pastors should keep in view principally two things which they should zealously strive to accomplish. The first is that the faithful understand the high honor, respect, and veneration due to these divine and celestial gifts. The second is that since these sacraments have been established by the God of infinite mercy for the common salvation of all, the people should make pious and religious use of them and be so inflamed with the desire of Christian perfection as to deem it a very great loss to be for any time deprived of the salutary use, particularly of penance and the Holy Eucharist. These objects pastors will find little difficulty in accomplishing if they call frequently to the attention of the faithful what we have already said in the divine character and fruit of the sacraments. First, that they were instituted by our Lord and Savior 
from whom can proceed nothing but what is most perfect. Further, that when administered, the most powerful influence of the Holy Ghost is present, pervading the inmost sanctuary of the soul. Next, that they possess an admirable and unfailing virtue to cure our spiritual maladies and communicate to us the inexhaustible riches of the passion of our Lord. Finally, let them point out that although the whole edifice of Christian piety rests on the most firm foundation of the cornerstone, yet unless it be supported on every side by the preaching of the divine word and by the use of the sacraments, it is greatly to be feared that it may, to a great extent, totter and fall to the ground. For as we are ushered into spiritual life by means of the sacraments, so by the same means are we nourished and preserved and grow to spiritual increase. And so that's the end of the reading from the Catechism. Uh, but let's turn again to the Summa here, where St. Thomas talks about the character or the seal, this which is the second effect of the sacraments, namely of baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Uh, in question 63, in the uh, third part of the Summa, we find the question, whether a sacrament imprints a character on the soul. And St. Thomas uh, responds here, he says, um, first, in the, on the contrary, he says, the apostle says in 2 Corinthians, he that hath anointed us is God, who also hath sealed us and given the pledge of the Spirit in our hearts. But a character means nothing else than a kind of sealing. Therefore, it seems that by the sacraments, God imprints his character on us. And so St. Thomas begins with a text from Scripture which, um, on, upon which we base this doctrine of the character. Uh, again, that's Second Corinthians. He goes on to say, I answer that as is clear from what has been already stated. The sacraments of the new law are ordained for a twofold purpose, namely for a remedy against sins, and for the perfecting of the soul in things pertaining to the divine worship according to the rite of the Christian life. Now, whenever anyone is deputed to some definite purpose, he is wont to receive some outward sign thereof. Thus, in olden times, soldiers who enlisted in the ranks used to be marked with certain characters on the body through being deputed to a bodily service. Since, therefore, by the sacraments men are deputed to a spiritual service pertaining to the worship of God, it follows that by their means the faithful receive a certain spiritual character. Wherefore, Augustine says, If a deserter from the battle, through dread of the mark of enlistment on his body, throws himself on the emperor's clemency, and having besought and received mercy, returned to the fight, is that character renewed when the man has been set free and reprimanded? Is it not rather acknowledged and approved? Are the Christian sacraments by any chance of a nature less lasting than this bodily mark? And so uh, St. Thomas um, concludes that first uh, reply by quoting St. Augustine. And uh, again, we keep on seeing that uh, St. Thomas um, thinks according to the words of St. Paul when he says uh, it's through the visible things of this world that the invisible things of God are made known. And um, so just this idea that uh, anytime someone is 
deputed to a certain task, uh, when they are deputized, so to speak, then they receive some kind of mark or seal or badge. And he says um, it's the same in the spiritual life that um, the sacraments deputize us for spiritual service, and so therefore, um, how much more so fitting is it that we receive a spiritual seal? Uh, let's just read one more article as well. Uh, this is the second article where St. Thomas asks whether a character is a spiritual power. And he replies here, he says, I answer that as stated above, the sacraments of the new law produce a character insofar as by them we are deputed to the worship of God according to the rite of the Christian religion. Wherefore Dionysus, after saying that God by a kind of sign grants a share of himself to those that approach him, adds, by making them godlike and communicators of divine gifts. Now the worship of God consists either in receiving divine gifts or in bestowing them on others. And for both these purposes, some power is needed. For to bestow something on others, active power is necessary. And in order to receive, we need a passive power. Consequently, a character signifies a certain spiritual power ordained unto things pertaining to the divine worship. But it must be observed that the spiritual power is instrumental, as we have stated above, of the virtue which is in the sacraments. For to have a sacramental character belongs to God's ministers, and a minister is a kind of instrument, as the philosopher says. Consequently, just as the virtue which is in the sacraments is not of itself in a genus, but is reducible to a genus, for the reason that it is of a transitory and incomplete nature, so also a character is not properly in a genus or species, but is reducible to the second species of quality. And so therefore we see that the sacraments uh, produce these two effects. The first effect is sanctifying grace, um, which the sacraments produce in us uh, by their instrumental power. Um, God is the principal agent and the sacraments are the uh, instrumental agent that he uses to cause the sanctifying grace. And then the second effect that the sacraments produce, namely baptism, confirmation, and holy orders, is to um, imprint a character on the soul, and the character is a spiritual power and a mark, so it distinguishes the faithful from those uh, who, who are not part of the uh, Church of Christ, but it also deputizes or, or um, gives the faithful the power of receiving and of bestowing spiritual gifts um, in which the worship of God consists. And so that's all we'll do now. We've finished up the, the general discussion of the sacraments. Um, I look forward to uh, beginning uh, the catechism's treatment on the sacraments in particular, beginning, of course, with baptism. So thank you for joining me in this episode of Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley, and we'll see you next time.